Just this week, one of our dear, dear missionaries, we refer to him um, very dearly because he is, was the pastor of our sister church in South America. Many of our church family have traveled down uh, to Honduras, but Pastor Alfredo went home to be with the Lord. And Pastor Alfredo, many of you will remember just a few weeks ago, our church family took a love offering uh, to try to help him with the medical care and the costs that were involved. Many other churches, even within this community, attempted to do that. And we were sad to receive the news that he passed away. And so would you pray for Pastor Alfredo and the family, the ministry in Honduras? God has given him much influence over in that region of the world, and we want to remember uh, that family. Father, we want to pray for the ministry in Honduras and even in Latin America, God, that this man of God who has such love and a passion for the word of God and to minister your word into your people, give his wife and his family, the ministry there, lots of comfort and encouragement as they take these next steps, Lord, to determine where, what you are doing. And Lord, we know that he's with you in heaven so we can rejoice in that and thank you for uh, the good news of his salvation and his love to share that love with other people. Bless our service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me share with you that news. Brother Dennis read 1 Corinthians 13, a very appropriate passage for the last several weeks. We have been on a series together. Uh, Jim Van Eypren has been sharing the word of God with us and the three greats. My name is Chant. I get to serve as one of the pastors. So I'm grateful to be able to open up the word of God to share the word of God with you. I want to ask you this question as we focused already on the Word of God. There was a passage in there in verse 1 and 2, and it talks about if you have all of these gifts and you have all of these abilities, but yet you're trying to talk in the midst of all that, it is nothing but gongs and clanging cymbals. If you have all the abilities to do prophetic powers, if you have all the abilities to have great talent, but you are not speaking with love you the bible says are nothing and in that context i want for us to take a moment and gander at the word of god and allow the word of god to gander into us and illuminate in our hearts what god is speaking to you about today love matters to god because the bible says god is love and to know God is to know his love, and to know his love is to declare his love to a world that is starving for this word of love. Many people in life pursue love. In relationships, we pursue love. In the church, we desire for love. I grew up without a father in the home, a single parent home, and I was desperate to really understand love. The way that I was loving, I came to realize after years of being a Christian and years of trying to discover the meaning of love, I discovered that the way I was loving was not in alignment to the way God spoke of love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that when I became a man, I put away childish things. And all within the context of understanding what love is. It's interesting that we were in 1 Corinthians 11 today and 12 with the reading of 
the communion and the death of Christ and remembering his body and his blood. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 talks about surrendering your right as believers. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in chapter number 10 of 1 Corinthians. It talks about removing the idols out of your life and you should serve the Lord your God only and him only will you serve. Then 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter number 11 talks about the Lord's Supper. And then it transitions from the Lord's Supper into chapter 12 where it talks about the spiritual gifts and all the different gifts of the body and where do you fit within the body. But then it's even interesting now in chapter 13 it says forget about those gifts. <laughs> because if you have all those gifts to do all those amazing things and you do not have love the Bible says you are nothing. In another passage of scripture, it describes it as vanity. It's vain. It's vain if you have all those things and you have not love. In 1 John 4, chapter number 7 through 12, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who, do, who does not love does not know God because God is love. There was a very unusual military funeral in California back in 2013. Sergeant First Class Joseph Gant, who fought in both World War II and the Korean War, was laid to rest. He had been captured in Korea in 1950 and died the following year but his body was never returned for many years and his death was never confirmed by the North Koreans. His wife, Clara, waited for decades for, his wife to come, uh, the, for his, her husband to come back. She regularly went to government meetings and to the VA seeking for help in this information of his, uh, of his whereabouts and his body. Clara even bought a house and had it professionally landscaped. So Joseph, all he would have to do is come home and do his most favorite thing, go fishing. She was 94 years of age when his remains were finally brought home with, uh, to a military funeral with all and full honors. It wasn't the homecoming that she had dreamed, but she finally knew his fate. Clara told the reporter who, inter who interviewed her, he told me if anything ever happened to me, he wanted to remarry me. And I told him, no, no, here I am. I'm still your wife and I'm still going to remain your wife until the day the Lord calls me home. And she was featured in that December in that newspaper. And when that newspaper was read, I thought how interesting as we bring this message on love and Love is not just an emotion. In our English description, modern description and expression of love, we think of it as an emotion and as a feeling. I feel love, so therefore I love you. I don't feel like I love you, so therefore I don't love you. But God's love, true agape love, is everlasting, is eternal, and is beyond the emotional and goes down deeper than that. Luke 10, 25 says, Behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test, being Jesus, saying, Teacher, 
what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? And how do you read it? And he answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said, you have answered this correctly. Do this and live. In the gospel of Mark chapter 12, it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is likened unto the first. Love your neighbor and lo- uh, as you love yourself. Hang all the laws and all the prophets. You can put away all those things because the most important thing that you could do is to love. It's interesting because there are 613 Mosaic laws that the uh, Jewish faith, the Hebrews, would practice and try to live up. And of the 613 condensed into 10 commandments, many of you know those 10 commandments today. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. You, You should not have any other idols. You should not lie. You should not steal. You should honor your mom and dad. All those things are the thou shalt not, or the Ten Commandments. And Jesus in the New Testament says, hang all those 613 laws, hang those Ten Commandments on this one thing. Love the Lord your God and love others like you love yourself. Last week, Jim spoke to us and he shared the message to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Many of us had to ask the question, who is my neighbor Who am I supposed to love? The person next to me, the person within my house, uh, the person that goes to church with me, this community? Yes, 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 and yes. Love them. Do I love them because they're brown? Do I love them because they're yellow? Do I love them because they're red, they're black, they're white? It doesn't matter. Love your neighbor did not come with a color code. It didn't give me a specific color to match up according to that love. For God so loved the world. And I love what we're learning because we're learning how to take our knowledge of the word of God and place it into action. Then Jesus says, and he gave. Greater love has no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friend. A demonstration once again of that love. Hate and love can't live in the same heart. Each day we must decide which one stays and which one goes. If you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to hate, if you're holding on to a grudge, it doesn't make you strong, it makes you weak. Forgiving and loving doesn't make you weak, it sets you free. I love what a little girl said. A little girl was invited to dinner at the home of her first grade friend. The vegetable was buttered broccoli and the mother asked if she liked it. Oh, yes, the little girl politely replied, I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she declined to take any of it. The hostess said, I thought you said you love broccoli. The little girl sweetly replied, yes, ma'am, I do, but just not enough to eat it. (laughs) If we're not careful... We love the word love in concept. I mean, I love it. That's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to love my friend. I'm supposed to love my wife, my husband, my, you name it. I'm supposed to love and we love in concept. And then all of a sudden when the bowl is passed, I might have to take a pass on that one today. What does biblical love look like? 1 Corinthians is probably the most 
famous of all the passages on love. Read at weddings, read on special occasions that makes your heart just, you know, oh, just melt a little bit. Yeah, I, I love that. That's, that's right. I like that. I'm looking at Christy over there. Christy got engaged this week, and Christy's in love. But we're not just talking about that kind of love. We're talking about what is Christ-like love? How do, I, how do I love the way God wants me to love? Let's look at it together. And let's not look at it. James 4 says, don't just know about it. Let's live it out. So we're going to give you a couple of points. And the whole time you're going to think, can I live that out this week? How do I live that out this week? And that's going to be your goal. Every single time another point comes into mind. How am I going to walk that out this week? How can I demonstrate patience? How can I demonstrate kindness? How can I dem demonstrate long-suffering? And we'll find that together. In verses 1 through 3, it talks about the preeminence of God's love. Verse 8 through 13, it talks about the permanence of God's love. But then verse number 4 through 7 is really specific. It talks about how to practice that love. So we need to love beyond our talk and love in action. Let's look at it together. Ready? Here we go. Christ-like love suffers long and is patient. Patience is an interesting quality. You normally don't need it until you need it. You normally have a lot of patience until you don't have a lot of patience in the moment. And how do we as believers, in another uh, version, it says, Love suffers long, or love is long-suffering. I like that description because it's very descriptive on what, uh, on what patience really is. The Greek word for long-suffering is, uh, is another demonstration of long-tempered. You're very patient. You're slow to anger. I don't know why I wrote this down here, Doug Volt. I wrote Doug, because if you know Pastor Doug, he's just very patient and very easygoing. He's long-suffering. But I think of the Lord Jesus Christ. God was so long-suffering. He's long-suffering with us and how he loved us. Long-suffering has the uh, bearance of the word of just being able to accept one another despite our imperfections and our faults, our differences. And you give people margin. When you give people margin, you give people grace. Because we're all in the sanctifying process. And your sanctification isn't going to speed up any further than what you commit yourself into the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And they're growing in grace. So then you learn to give margin to others. Long-suffering. Learning to be patient. Another one is of love is being kind, Christ-likeness is kindness, learning to be kind. Kindness is practicing patience. The Greek word comes with a word meaning of useful. I like that. The word kind has to deal with useful. Are you useful? When you're kind, you're useful. A kind person is disposed to helping others. He seeks out the needs and uh, opportunities to meet those needs, never without a repayment. Do you know anybody who counts how many times they've been good to you? How many times that friend has paid for lunch or dinner and then they reminded you of it? 
I got you this time, Dave, so this time it's on you, buddy. That's keeping into account. Well, Christ-like love, true, good, godly love, doesn't take into account. How many times you were bad and how many times I was good and how many times I was good and how many times you were bad. I love what Luke says. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. As believers, we need to practice kindness. The next one, Christ-like love is not a jealous love. That word jealous is an eagerly desire and it's used both in positive and negative expressions. Um, jealousy, the Bible, there's a song that says, I'm, God is jealous for us. I'm jealous of my wife, meaning my wife is mine, but there's a different kind of jealousy that talks about it in a negative way. And James referred this, refers to this in James 4, talking, talking about this is the source of jealousy that brings about quarrel and contention because you have to be right. Jealousy wants things and possess things, and the Bible says it consumes of its own lusts. We don't want to be that kind of jealous. Christ-like love doesn't brag and, and isn't arrogant. That expression in 1 Corinthians 13, that the, the words seemingly are just ugly twins that are seemingly related. They both stem from a selfish and a very flippant way of love and jealousy. Jealousy is wanting something uh, someone else has, but bragging is, is making others jealous of what you have. And we are not to do either of those things. I enjoyed hanging out with someone this week. You would never know it, but they're well-to-do. God blessed them, but they don't come off ever arrogant. Serves graciously here in our church. Very humble. Christ-like, authentic love is a very gracious and humble and non-braggadocious. It builds people up, never putting yourself up. Christ-like love does not act unbecoming. Another translation says it's not rude. Love does not needlessly offend. I read a man who generally was lacking of manners and he never opened the car door for his wife or anything like that. Chivalry was not a part of his practice and his wife passed away and the pallbearers grabbed the casket and walked to the car and the pastor unbeknownst to um, how meaningful these words would be in the moment noticed that his that the husband was just frozen for just a moment as the casket was coming to the hearse and the pastor leaned over to him and said open the car for your wife and in that moment he just broke down because of all the years of living, he never opened the door for his wife. And now in death, he had to open the door for his wife. Love is not rude. Love practices kindness and shows gentleness. How can you show love this week? Christ-like love, next, does not seek its own. Alan Redpath said this, the secret of every discord in Christian homes, communities, and churches is that we seek 
our own way and our own glory. That's the discord. I was sitting across from my counselor, a man by the name of Terry, Terry Hartley. You might have met him before he's visited our church. And Susan and I were um, speaking with him and he sat across the couch from me or the room from me and we were, Susan and I were having uh, some conversations just about life and just about where we were at in the season of our life. And uh, it was a, such a beautiful ministry of the Holy Spirit in that moment. He said, Chantha, if you want healing in any relationship, apply this in your marriage, if you will. You have to give up your right to be right. That's a powerful statement. Give up your right to be right. Then he asked a question that uh, made, me up, made me upset, but broke me down at the same time. Do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? It's a good question. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be loved? When we give up our right to be right, it's an act of humility. It's a willingness to now receive what God may be doing in that moment and in that relationship. Next, Christ-like love is not provoked. The word means to sharpen and stimulate, rouse to anger. You're not easily provoked. I'm not the epitome of a sportsman by any means. I grew up in California and um, I didn't grow up uh, with guns or bows or arrows or any of that. Well, technically, I did grow up around guns. I was shot at. I've got two bullet holes in my leg. But I, I remember this when I was in Arkansas because I wanted to be no longer just a California kid. I wanted to fit in in Arkansas. And we went paintballing. Manly, I know. Uh, that's a step. My progress growing in grace, okay? I went paintballing. We took a bunch of guys in our church and we went paintballing. You wear the helmet, the mask, and all that good stuff. And there's a safety on the, on the gun. And, but I'm, I wasn't really taught all those things. And I remember laying my, 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 my uh, gun down, my um, paintball gun down. And somehow, because the safety mechanism wasn't pushed all the way in, when I set it down, I'd taken off my mask. And I set it down. And it's one of those rapid fires, so it fires a couple of shots. And I put it down, and as I put it down, it went pop, pop, pop. And it got me right above my eye, right near my temple, and it went pop, pop, pop. And I put my head back, and I was just stunned in that moment. And I had no one else to blame except for myself. <laughs> I set that thing down, and it was sensitive. Because in the rapid-fire version, you, you have a sensitivity mechanism that you crank up to show extra sensitivity so you can just keep plugging away at those shots. And somehow I'd shot myself. Love isn't easily triggered. Love isn't ready to go kaboom on the next person you meet because man, when my wife pushes that button, here we go. When my husband pushes that button, here we go. It's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, you're just ready to go. In marriage counseling, the term that we'll use is the button. <laughs> Do you have that button that he or she pushes? I mean, you can talk about all of this stuff, but as soon as you push that button, 
Oh, yeah, taking off my coat. Ladies, take off your earrings. Take it all off because it's going to be on. No, love isn't easily provoked. Love is gentle, is kind, and not easily provoked. Next one. Love does not take into account wrong suffered. This is an accounting word used for numerical calculation. It's used of God not imputing our guilt to us, but instead imputing the righteousness of Christ to our account. That's what Romans talks about. It talks about that God rem- doesn't remember our, our, our sins anymore. He remembers it no more as from east is to the west. God just doesn't remember it anymore. There was an illustration of a married guy who said to his friend, you know, every time my wife and I, we get into a conflict, she gets historical. And his friend looked at him and said, you mean hysterical? He goes, no, she gets historical because every single time we fight, she brings up the past. I don't know about you if you get hysterical or historical, but God doesn't with us. Once we become saved, the Bible says the blood of God washes away our sins as white as the snow. Isn't that beautiful? He remembers it no more. He doesn't keep into account what you've done because only the red blood of Jesus now matters. And that is our goal. That's our goal for us to be Christ-like so that we learn not to be historical against our spouse and against our friends and against our uh, family and against our, our, our people that we have close relationships with. We should not be that way. Next one, Christ-like love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. We read in 1 Corinthians that these qualities are the flip side of one another. Robert Moffat, a good pastor, uh, a good commentator said, Love is never glad when others go wrong. Oh, instead we should grieve. Instead we should have empathy. Instead we should have sympathy. Well, I knew it. I knew it all along. That person was bound to fail. I knew it. I could tell because they're just, they're just proud. No, we don't, we don't, we don't get that way. Instead, we just feel bad and say, oh man, my brother tripped and fell. How can I come alongside of him and come alongside of him and lift him up? It's sad, but a statement that's been said is the only army uh, in the world that kicks its own wounded is the Christian army. I knew it. I knew you'd fall. No, instead... We should lift one another up, bear one another's burdens. The Bible says, and so fulfill the laws of Christ. That's Christ-like love. Christ-like love bears all things. That word bears talks about nothing separates us. The word bears talks about coming underneath, but the word bears also talks about covering over as well in one definition of it. I love the passage that says, neither death nor height will ever separate me from the love of God, nor powers, nor principalities, nor rulers. None of those things will ever separate you from the love of God. That's how much God loves you, and that's the love that God wants us to live out in community with one another. Love doesn't run down 
each other with jokes and sarcasm and puts us down. Love defends the character of the other person as much as possible within the limits of truth. Love won't lie about weaknesses, but neither will it deliberately expose and emphasize it either because love protects. Love talks about bearing over and guarding. It's not, yeah, let me tell you about my wife. The other day she... Let me tell you about my husband. You won't believe what he did to me. Let me tell you about my kids. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about. And you just want to expose every negative thing of the very people that you love. What you're actually doing is you're detonating a grenade in that relationship for that spouse or that friend. Christ-like love number next believes all things. That word believe talks about a a trust. The NIV translation refers to love always trusts. This means, uh, this does not mean a gullible trust. What it means is a trust that is deep and doesn't and isn't easily broken. You don't allow trust just to easily break. Trust is vital in any healthy relationship, but the stakes are highest within the context of marriage authentic relationships are complete unity and transparency no deception of any kind should undermine the foundation your relationship listen to this statement your relationship any relationship not just husband and wife relationship any relationship your relationship will never be stronger than your trust in each other trust makes healthy relationships possible When we replace trust with secrecy, we're erecting invisible barriers to limit the growth in our relationships. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Next, Christ-like love hopes all things. It's not pessimistic. You're not just a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer. True, authentic love is very positive and encouraging and is very uplifting. It does... Uh, It doesn't mean that I just expect you to fall. It means I will be there to love and support you positively when you fall. It hopes all things because there's a way. We know that there is whenever hope is still alive, that life and hope is still resonating within that situation. And whatever your situation, instead of speaking death into it, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. But many of us speak death into situations and relationships instead of speaking life. Did you know your words are nuclear? You can speak death into that situation further by uh, by being arrogant and showing that you know better. You have a right to be right, so you have to prove it. Instead, you speak life and hope into that situation, speaking positively about the hope that lies within you. Jesus Christ lives within you and lives within them if they are a child of God. The last one is this. Christ-like love endures all things. We have a responsibility. I think during the worship time, talks, Pastor Randy said, what is your thing? What, is your, what are you going through? Love endures all things because Christ has already endured the hardest thing. He endured the cross. And he has paid it all. And he has shown us by his grace that it is finished. 
so I can endure all things because of the hope of glory that lies within me. No wonder Paul the Apostle says, because of that I can press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. Christ-like love is an agape love. It's not a feeling love. It's not a phileo love. It's a deep abiding love because of the one who overflows from us is true. The fountain of living waters, he flows from us and we can love because he first loved us. So can we walk that out this week to somebody? Can one of those points be a point that you say, I'm gonna do my absolute best to walk in that this week? Let's all stand together, shall we? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you do not know the love of God today, you are not a Christian, but today you would like to receive the love of God. Maybe he's already been ministering to you all week, even before you came here to church. But today you want to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the redemption, for the forgiveness of your sins. Today could be the day. We have prayer partners to uh, your left that would be more than willing to pray with you or just there in your seat. Just receive God's love today. If one of those uh, points or verses within scripture encourage your heart and said, yeah, man, I, I, I need to do that. I don't want to become as a, sim, uh, a symbol or a gong and it's not meaningful. I need to do business with God. However God is working in your life, you do business with God. The, the worship team is going to sing and wherever God is ministering to you, I would encourage you, never walk out without taking care of whatever God is speaking to you about. That's the word of God today for us.
died for us you went willingly you went eyes wide open to that cross out of your great love Lord we are redeemed and at the very least may we show that love may your light and your love shine through us towards others whatever that looks like in our lives because everyone is in different circumstances different situations different relationships so whatever that looks like, Lord, do it in us. We are surrendering to what you're doing in us right now. We surrender to that love that you want us to have for ourselves, for others. And Lord, may we love you like you deserve. May we live our lives as a love song to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for challenging us and convicting us and encouraging us, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for what you've done in this place today. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, church.